Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers. The call to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And we have three powerful words. They are core values that shape everything we do here. What are those three words? We live, we love, and we serve. We are still in our Be Human series. Well, rather, it's bigger than you, which is part of our Be Human series. And, and I don't know about you, but, but as a little boy, even as a little boy, I always believed that God had something great for me. And I wanted to be part of something great. And I'm convinced, and I really believe this, that all of us in here, and I said this last week, God has uniquely shaped and gifted each and every one of us, and not just for you. But God has shaped you and uniquely gifted you so that you can be a blessing to someone else. But then the assignment is even larger. I don't say this to be saying it, but I believe in the power of individuals who come together and who radically change this world. So many of us see what is happening in our world and we get frustrated. We feel overwhelmed that the tasks that are before us are daunting. But I believe that we, 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 and I don't just mean we human beings in general. I mean we in this space, in this building, in this city. We can change the world. The world comes to New York City. The world finds its way to New York City. That means we in the city have an opportunity to impact the world. We can change it. And like I said last week, somebody has to be great. Why not us? Somebody has to be great and why not us? So this season of It's Bigger Than You, it really is. It is about changing this world one person at a time. That if you want to see change, become the change. And we will become the change that we want to see. Amen? Good. So last week, we talked about courage. The courage necessary to really step into the calling, the high calling that God placed in us and over us to really be transformers. And today I'm going to talk about something, not courage, but something that seeks to undermine these massive movements. And this is a movement. Uh, 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 be Human is a movement. Again, a world-changing movement. So if you're able to stand, stand with me at this time as we go to the Word. I want to look at the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, the first chapter, and I'm going to read from the New Revised Standard Version and the Message Bible. Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 8. And here's what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. 
But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And then the message Bible, here's how it reads. This is what God said. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. But I said, hold it, Master God. Look at me. I don't know anything. I'm only a boy. God told me, don't say I'm only a boy. I'll tell you where to go and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say and you'll say it. Don't be afraid of a soul. I'll be right there looking after you. God's decree. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, we bless your name and we thank you today for how you are moving in this place and in this space. God, we believe in your transcendent and transformative power. God, we believe that that same power flows through us. That power, oh God, that jump-started creation, instigated your creativity, flows through our very beings. God, help us to embrace and walk in that power, oh God. God, you did not give life to us just to exist. You created us to live and live in the abundance of life. But only, not only that, oh God, you called us to shake up a world that seems war-torn and confused. We thank you, God. We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. And we say amen. 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 Come on. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and take your seats today. Amen. I want to read that again in the New Revised Standard Version. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, oh, Lord God, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I can only imagine the kind of trepidation, hesitation that young Jeremiah must have felt. This passage of scripture doesn't necessarily seem odd, but it would seem that God moves a little faster than Jeremiah anticipated. If you read the chapter in its entirety, those first three verses, actually, you will find that Jeremiah was the son of a priest. And being the son of a priest, that means he was of the Levitical priesthood. In other words, Jeremiah was going to be a priest. But God here in this call of Jeremiah shifts the plan. Jeremiah will not only be a priest, he will be a prophet to the nations. He will not simply take safeguard over the temple, the synagogue, the sanctuary. He will speak boldly on God's behalf to a world that seems upside down. 
So speaking was not something strange to Jeremiah. Serving in this space was not strange for he had been watching his father. But now God seems to move a little faster than Jeremiah was prepared to adhere to. God makes it clear. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I consecrated you and I appointed you. I knew you. I set you apart. And then I gave you an assignment before you were shaped fully in your mother's womb. I knew you. I set you apart. I had a divine assignment for you. Now, one of the dangers in this passage is we often do not just with this scripture, but with so much of scripture. We try to universalize this scene. We try to believe in somehow that this particular call that God has to the prophet Jeremiah is for everybody. And we know through scripture that's not the case. And so what happens is we begin to say things. We build great theology and theological presuppositions based on this passage. And we say things like preordained and predestined that God knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. But watch the story. God does not say this to everybody that God calls. God says this specifically to Jeremiah. It is for Jeremiah. It is God's word for Jeremiah because I'm convinced that God has a word for each and every one of us who are in here today. And the worst thing to do sometimes is believe that the word God spoke to me always applies to you. The word that God speaks to me is for me in the season that God wants me to hear it, for the assignment that God has given me. The word God speaks to you is for the season God wants you to hear it, and for the assignment God has given you. And the worst thing to do is impose your assignment upon my life because God's maybe, God may be speaking to me in ways that are quite different than how God is speaking to you. But again, we universalize this scene and we forget that God is speaking to Jeremiah. He doesn't speak to Abraham this way. He doesn't speak to Isaac this way. He doesn't speak to Jacob this way. He doesn't speak to Moses this way. He doesn't speak to Elijah. Elisha. He doesn't speak to anybody else in this form but Jeremiah. Before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were shaped in your mother's womb, I knew you, set you apart, and appointed you for this great assignment. And I don't want to belabor that point to talk about the various ways that God moves and what God knows and how God knows it or when God knows it about each of us. But what I want to do is look at what God received from Jeremiah. God received the one thing that many of us are well skilled at, excuses. <laughs> Jeremiah gave an excuse. Lord, mm-mm, mm-mm, not me. I don't know enough yet. I'm not seasoned enough yet. Remember, Jeremiah has been watching his father serve as a priest because he knows what is required of this responsibility. But God shifts it and says, no, not just priest, but prophet. I don't want you to just to serve in this locality, in this particular synagogue, this particular sanctuary. I want you to speak to the nations, not nation, nations. Now, what I want you to do, Jeremiah, is bigger than you. 
I want you to take this assignment upon you and speak the words that I give you to the nations that have lost their way, that have grown distant from me. I have placed this assignment over your life. I can imagine, again, Jeremiah's anxiety and trepidation and hesitation. Because can you think when God speaks to you about some assignment, and it's not just an assignment like, well, God, I need you to tell Pastor Ken, or rather God, or rather Michael, I need you to tell Pastor Kendra this message or communicate this to Pastor Trey. God said, no, you're going to speak to the nations. To the nations. All of us in here, I think, in some way, shape, or form, would have been a little bit intimidated. And we too, like Jeremiah, would have began to make some good excuses. But Jeremiah's excuses come from a real place, I think. He says, uh-uh, I'm not able I'm not the one. Hold on, God. Here's how I know you made a mistake. I'm a boy. I'm too young to do this. Clearly, Jeremiah had not read all the scrolls. He didn't hear about the story of David and how God called him as a young boy to lead the nation of Israel. And here, Jeremiah is being told of an assignment, and Jeremiah is saying, No, I'm too young. I don't know enough. I'm not qualified. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the right pedigree. I don't have the right background. I love being in my little safe space that's manageable and that I've already learned how to adapt to. I don't want to step outside of my comfort zone and do anything that is beyond me, bigger than me, that is overwhelming to me. God, let me stay in my safe space, in my confined quarters, in my limited expectation uh, that I have of myself and that others may have of me. Let me just do me instead of grabbing hold of this assignment. Does that sound familiar to anybody in here today? The kinds of excuses we make before God. I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not uh, qualified. I don't have the right money. I don't have the right background. I didn't come from a two-parent household. I didn't come from middle-class upbringing. I didn't come from the private school path. I, I didn't come from all these things that we make up as excuses before God and we tell God that we're not qualified because we've already made a proper self-assessment and we believe that we're not ready for this assignment that God has placed over our lives how many times have you have I made excuses the truth of the matter is that Jeremiah not only gives God excuses but God Jeremiah gives God uh, really he projects upon the scene something that is already working within him See, I learned a long time ago that self-confidence is one of the keys to success. And here's what I also learned. If self-confidence is a key to success, then self-doubt is a destroyer. Self-doubt. The inability to believe in yourself. Now, you have to ask yourself this morning, how many times has self-doubt crept into your conscience? How many times did self-doubt creep into your thoughts? It really shaped the lens by which you saw yourself. And here's a deep thing. There are many of us in here today, if we can be honest, and I'm going to ask you to be honest in a second, who can be honest and say that we have been at different moments in our lives, at different stages in our lives, overridden by self-doubt. Let me see who in here can be honest about that this morning. See, I like honest people in church. Don't come in church lying. 
Yeah. Self-doubt is real. It hits all of us at some point in our lives. We begin to doubt, but here's a good thing. I learned this. I learned this. I, I remember uh, I wanted a bike, right? And I might have shared a story years ago, but I wanted a bike. I wanted to graduate from the, the, the tricycle in the big wheel, and I wanted a, a, a real bike. I wanted a big bike. I remember telling my parents, I want a big bike. I had a big wheel. You know, I'm not speaking to the younger folk. I'm really speaking to the older folk because... Young for y'all missed out on some great things if you ain't my 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 son and and my daughter my my niece and nephew but man you don't know nothing until you had no big wheel a big wheel with the brake on the right tire you, what and you was riding the big wheel you used to do spin outs you couldn't go too fast because the bend the front wheel just spin out and spin out. You ain't moving nowhere. A big wheel. And I had been rocking the big wheel because when you got the big wheel, and I was the first on the block to get a big wheel, you thought you like, everybody want to ride your big wheel. And then when you let everybody ride your big wheel, let me watch this. Who really had a big wheel? After a while, the tires would get a little hole in the plastic tires. This is the older congregation at 8 o'clock. I can tell you, we, we having big wheel flashbacks right now. It used to go real fast, and you hit the brake, and the big wheel spin out. Listen, but even though I loved it, everything you love, sometimes you can get tired of. And I wanted to graduate because then I saw some folks with regular bikes. And the big wheel is always good until folk on the regular bike start laughing at you on the big wheel, especially when you're too big to be sitting in the big wheel. You ain't even sitting in the seat. You're sitting on top of the seat trying to pedal. And when I got the two-seater bike, they had the training wheels. But see, that don't work because then you get clowned for the training wheels. And then the training wheels never really touch the ground. Bike just be wobblings. I never understood training wheels that don't touch the ground. But I did was to give you every now and again, like every other pedal, the sense that you were really riding. I had, and then with you, you had to learn to ride the two-wheel bike. Hold on. You weren't born learning, knowing how to ride the two-wheel bike. You had to learn how to ride the bike. Whatever way you learn, training wheels or like me, your dad sitting also in the hole in the back of the seat while you riding and riding and letting go and you falling, you learn. And here's a deep thing. Watch this. Watch this. I, I now, I'm going to be 49 in a few months. Lord have mercy. That sounds good. I'll be 49 years old. But watch this. I have not ridden a bike in a long time. I remember a few years ago, we went on a spiritual retreat at Edie Farm. And while people were in the session, I was a break from my session. And they had some bikes at Edie Farm. Now, at that time, I had not ridden a bike in forever. But you know what I found out, Ev? That once you learn how to ride a bike... Y'all, boy, y'all gonna help me preach this this morning. Once, once you learn how to ride a bike, you never forget. I don't care what it is. I don't care how many is. You know how to ride. Because once you learn it, and it's committed to muscle memory, it's hard to unlearn. Watch this. Self-doubt is a learned behavior. The challenge is, can you unlearn it? It may always be present, but can you overcome? Because you didn't, you weren't birth doubting you. No one in here was birth doubting themselves. You doubt that? Look, the most fearless thing to ever see is a child who knows how to walk. 
Because once they learn how to walk, they start trying to get into everything. Have no fear. I mean, my kids standing up. They want to jump off of stuff. You had to catch your child. You can't jump off the bed. Stand on the coffee table, jumping off. You can't do that. You sit them on the counter. They trying to slide off and hit the floor. Don't do that. You try to push them further back on the counter. They scoot to the front and try to fall off again. Why? Because when you were a child, you were fearless. You were fearless. And somebody had to teach you what you couldn't do. You had to learn self-doubt. It is learned behavior. And every now and again, you learn that life is like this. You learn, you unlearn, and you relearn. You learn, you unlearn, and you relearn. Yeah, that means if someone taught you how to doubt you, you can unlearn it and then learn how to believe in you. Don't accept that you have to always see yourself through the lenses of inferiority. Or that somehow you're beneath the capability of what you were destined for. Oh my God, I know you're here this morning and I know, I know what it feels like to, to walk and live thinking about always what you cannot do. It's so toxic and it's so infuriating. You try to tell yourselves, no, I'm going to believe in me. I'm going to believe in me. And then when the opportunity comes for you to believe in you, what happens? That self-doubt creeps in. It is at the heart of many of the things we have not accomplished. Much of what we have not been able to do in our lives can be traced back to self-doubt. And if it can be traced back to self-doubt, it can be traced back to where it came from. Who first put those thoughts in your head about what you couldn't do and who you couldn't be and what you couldn't become? Who told you you were inferior and weren't good enough, weren't smart enough? You can remember the people who even spoke those words. You won't amount to anything. Nothing much will become of you. Your mom was like that. Your daddy was like that. Your whole family is generational insecurity. And we live in that. And it stops us from achieving greatness and achieving things that that seem impossible to some. But see, in this season, God is requiring a little bit more. God wants us to remember that in this season of high calling to change this world, that this movement is bigger than you, which means sometimes you got to get out of your own head. You got to get out of your own head. Stop talking yourself out of stuff. It's amazing when I find the times and think about the times I talk myself out of doing great things. What I realized is that I talked myself out of things because I was overthinking the thoughts I had. Oh, gosh. Overthinking the thoughts I had. I then not only was overthinking, I was overthinking because I kept repeating the negativity that was swirling in my mind. I kept thinking about it, thinking about it, speaking about it. And pretty soon, what was an occasional visit became a habit of self-doubt. I kept doubting myself. And I know, again, I'm not the only one in here. Who knows what that feels like? Because what happens when you overthink, here it is, here it is, I'm going to give you this. This is what happens. 
You keep overthinking, 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 talking yourself out, convincing yourself you're not good enough, and pretty soon you are caught in, a, in the clutches of a cycle that undermines your productivity and who you really can be. Well, I'm not going to belabor that because I'm trying to be more like the Catholic priest and shorten these sermons. And so, so let me just give you, you know, they say the mind adapts to threes. That's why so many people give three points. So I'm going to give you three points so your mind can adapt. Why? Because we are powerful, unshakable, and uh, you got to get the hoodie. Watch this. One, stop overthinking people's opinions of you. Stop overthinking. And not just the opinions, watch this, because opinions that they think is one thing, but stop overthinking that they're thinking about you. Oh, there you go. There you go. Stop overthinking that they're thinking about you. Because you know what you realize after a while? They ain't even thinking about you. You know what you realize the longer you live? That folk really don't care what you're doing. I'm dead serious. You realize that the grand scheme of things, the majority of people don't even care what you're doing. But you're worried about what they're thinking about what you're doing, and they're not even thinking about what you're doing. That means you're overthinking their thoughts about you. You ain't even got to their opinions yet, because some don't even have no opinions of you. You're making assumptions that the opinions you have of yourself are the opinions that others have of you. Which means you're projecting your feelings of insecurity onto other people so that you can't blame yourself, so you can blame everybody else. No, stop overthinking how people think about you because at the end of the day it's not what you say about me that matters it's what I say about myself right here it is here it is secondly that goes along with that don't find yourself falling into the I, I, I think the comparative trap the comparison trap oh there it is you start looking at yourself differently because instead of seeing you for who you really are, you're busy looking at everybody else. I like when it's quiet like this. That's me, y'all thinking. Because somebody here saying, yeah, I do that a lot. I compare myself to other people all the time. Especially when you see the successes of other people and you're busy wondering why you're not there yet. Or if you'll ever be there. You've been grinding in your job for a long time. You've been doing what you've been doing for a long time, and you don't seem to be getting any traction, any movement. You start comparing yourself to other people who've been doing things for a long time, and they seem to be moving faster. You got friends you went to school with, high school with, even college with, or even beyond, and they seem to be moving at a faster pace than you, and you're trying to figure out. And in yourself, you t in your mind, you tell yourself, I'm a good person. I love people. People love me. Why aren't things moving the way they ought to move? I'm not a bad person. I treat everybody nice. I love everybody. And yet, some of these mean, nasty people that I see around me, they seem to be moving forward in their position so fast and look God you know my heart search me and know me God and figure out what is going on and you're busy trying to figure out why things are moving for other people and not moving for you that's deep pause footnote it may be that you've been doing something that you've been scared into doing yeah. oh let me back up footnote this is not part of it this is point 2a Here's what it is. Maybe the reason why you're not progressing in the space you're in is because you found yourself in that space to please other people. Or you did it because it was an easy thing to do that did not push your gifts 
or did not enhance your gifts or did not bring your gifts to the forefront and you just did it because it came easy. And you knew there was more in you, but you were afraid to take the risk to fail. And so your whole life is dancing from safe zone to safe zone, safe space to safe space, never stepping out of your comfort zone, never taking a risk, never seeing what could happen because failure is lingering, self-doubt is hovering, and you're afraid to step outside of where you are. So you get mad that you're not where you think you're supposed to be, but you're actually not where you're supposed to be because if you were where you were supposed to be, you'd be doing more than you're doing right now. That's 2A. That's deep because here's the thing. I got to tell you this, and I think I'm not the only one who knows this. There are some of us in here right now, not everybody. You are now in a position where you've been doing quite well. Quite well. In fact, there are people who, while you're comparing yourself, are comparing themselves to you. But you know that the quite well wasn't enough. Because you know, although you're doing quite well, there's more in you that is screaming to get out. And you can't just restrict and constrict and suffocate yourself any longer. You got to stop engaging in the comparative trap. And then lastly, learn this. Once you get to the point where you say, you know what, you know what? I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to take the chance. How many of us said that in the beginning of 2020? This is going to be the year. I'm going to take that chance. I'm going to push. I'm going to pursue that thing. I'm going to go after that thing. And then all of a sudden fear comes in. You know what happens. And you stop at the hint of setback. Not even the setback. The hint of setback. And you start moonwalking backwards. Mm-mm. This ain't the season. 2021 going to be my year. That's it. <laughs> Next year, I can feel it. Maybe this year, God is getting me ready for 2021. The problem is you've been saying that since 2002. <laughs> Next year is my year. 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 And pretty soon, you've been saying next year is my year. And then you got your cane now. Next year is my year. Next year is my year. You've been saying it. You, you went past all the stages in your life, and you still say next year. Why? the hint of a setback. Well, here it is. Setbacks are only temporary. That ain't nothing deep. That's simple. In fact, we all know that. That's my third point. It ain't even heavy. I ain't even need to go to school for this one. Setbacks are temporary. We've all had those moments when we've fallen short and we've missed the mark and we missed the moment and we started torturing ourselves. Man! I can't believe I let that happen again. I can't believe this has happened to me again. And you say it again. And you say it again. And you say it again. And guess what? That means the setbacks keep going. But they always move. They're always temporary. No. Make up in your mind. Any failures you're going to experience in 2020, get them done fast. Get them out the way. Fail and get back up. Set back, get back up. Keep on moving. I tell our staff this. Fail fast and fail often because you learn more and you learn faster. That's it. Here's something I want to leave you with in my last three minutes. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the only person 
you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. The only person you're destined to become is the person you decide to be. Who will you decide to be today? Because that is who you're destined to become. If you think less, that's what you'll be. But if you start realizing what God has given you and granted you, is transcendent power with transformative abilities, you realize that it is bigger than you. Every cell in your body was shaped for greatness. Now, some of y'all in here say, oh, I'm no pastor about being great. Now, look, the disciples even had this issue. They came to Jesus when they like, look, like, like, man, who the greatest among us? Can you imagine? They didn't see this man walk on water, give sight to blind folk, lame walking, people with the limbs healed, and they're going to come to him tomorrow. Who's greatest among us? I like people with ambition. <laughs> Jesus said, nah, ain't nothing wrong wanting to be great. That's cool. I want to be great. I think I shared this story when I was a little boy, six, seven. I started trying to write cursive. I was writing cursive at that age. Why? And I told people, I said, why? The teachers, why are you writing like that? I said, because I got to get my autograph ready. But then as I grew up, my walk with God, I realized that the greatness that God seeks, that Jesus teaches about, is connected to your service. Jesus said, everybody can be great. Everyone has the capacity to serve, which means what? It's bigger than you. If you got courage that we talked about last week, don't let self-doubt undermine your courage. Unlearn it and relearn how powerful you are. Unlearn it and realize how strong you are. You amaze for majesty. You are designed for divinity. And you hold the keys of life and death within you. Creation not only has been waiting for you, but waiting for you to give orders. But the orders you give have to be connected to the person you are. Never doubt that. You ought to think that if God invested all this in me, God sees something. Or maybe hear what God told Jeremiah to Jeremiah. I know you. Oh. Every time I try to give God my self-doubt and my fear and my anxiety, and my excuses, God is like, there's a problem. I know you. You might be telling me one thing, but I know you. I know what you're capable of. I know what I've given you. I know what I've put inside of you. Don't tell me what you can't do. I know you. That's what God is even whispering to you right now. 
right there in that left ear. God is like, I know you. And that's why I have such great expectations of you. God is like the coach who keeps pushing you and gets on your nerves because the coach sees something in you you can't see in yourself. I know you. God knows you. And that's why God placed this calling over you. And get deeper. God knows this house. These people. That's why God put this high calling, this theme over us. Because God knows us. My God. And if God knows what you can do by yourself, just imagine when you and I connect. And then when you and I connect with her, connect with him, connect with her, and we all get connected, the world will shake at the power that exudes from our connection. Here's what I know. If this is a year, I know it's getting played out already, but I got to say it, clarity of vision, 2020, to see more clearly who God has called us to be. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.